Good evening, mighty listeners. Episode 32. Can you believe it? Um, so, starting out, Ben and I, blown away. Absolute massive thanks to the guys that have chosen to support the Patreon we talked about. Just wanted to throw that out there straight away. Really big thanks to you guys. Um, and then moving in to the excitement of the episode. So, good evening, Ben. Evening, mate, and thanks to the Patreons. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, um, tonight we have loads of new releases. Um, as ever, Games Workshop keep wrapping them out, so we're going to be chatting about those. Um, we are going to go into the hobby desk. Hopefully, some of you will have seen uh, my wonderful face doing a, a detailed, in depth analysis of hobby stuff. Uh, maybe not. And, Specsavers um, have had an inundation of uh, eye test requests over the well, last that- couple of weeks. That is just outrageous. <laughs> uh, I don't think you should talk about your video content in that way, Ben. I, I should be more confident in yourself. So um, <laughs> so it's a bit of an add-on to that for me. Uh, and Ben's been a green stuff in anything that stays still. I think Joe sat down the other day for more than 30 minutes and had a third arm put on. So, yeah, um, you know, it happens. So we got that. We're going to talk a bit in uh, in the Galaxy of War. We're going to talk about playing games uh, with a narrative. We've got some stuff about Necromunda and also um, what I've been thinking about with regards to the size of the games I've been playing. Um, into the Mortal Realms. So talking some tactics, would you believe, and some Night Vault. Um, not necessarily good <laughs> tactics. Are you laughing? <laughs> yeah. Carry on. <laughs> hey, it's your segment, dude. You told me you had tactical brilliance that our <laughs> listeners could have. not possibly <laughs> evo- ignore. Lies. No, indeed. <laughs> right, come on. This is supposed to be a quick section. So, um, then there's some stuff about the community which we love. Uh, some shout outs uh, to a really cool Necromander event amongst other things as well uh, and finally we return to the wilds with tales of mighty wooden fighting ships um, that I've been uh, also been looking at so uh, yeah we might even talk about most of that stuff as well you never know <laughs> alright Ben you ready? yeah okay see you on the hobby desk grab some refreshments guys and we'll see you soon Hi guys, welcome back um, to episode 32, um, and as ever we're going to start with the hobby disc, which um, is quite a lot different than I said it was going to be last week, I promised everyone I was going to have my titans done, and I've done absolutely no work on my titans, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's other things to talk about, um, but tell you someone who has been working on their titans is Dan, and uh, he's worked out exactly what I meant about the gold banding, haven't you mate? Oh me. Honestly, <laughs> how long did it take you? At one point, I changed. I thought oh, I'm going to change my recreation to sawing off my own leg with my hobby saw <laughs> and beating myself around the head with it because it would be more enjoyable. Yeah, I think about five and a half hours. Yeah, it's there's a lot of it, isn't that's, it? And that's just to base coat the edging, the banding uh, into Retributor armor on the whole warlord. Yeah. It's, I tell you the bit that's a faff is like the fact that obviously there's some depth, isn't there? So you've got like the, the raised band, which you you've paint. got to do around the edges of the inside oh, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. And so, there's so much detail as well, like the little crenellations and the, 
Yeah, so I totally don't envy you. <laughs> like, I've got one, and I've been saying right from the start, I only want one Warlord, because it to me, it's like the king in chess. Um, it's lies. It's lovely, but I... It's I lies. Really, I, lies. Oh, lies, sorry. I thought you said it was lies. <laughs> lies. No, I, I, I can't. I couldn't. I, no. Just no. Hmm. Um, I don't think I'll be doing much more than two. Cause I do, it depends. It depends because obviously I've not really played the game yet. Not played the game yet. It depends what they're like. But I think just thinking about time versus impact on the battlefield, I just don't know. Um, or, or impact on enjoyment of the game. We'll have to see. I won't know that until I. To be perfectly honest, I okay. think you could spend an awful lot of time just keeping up with the with the upgrades. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to do. This one's going to have... I'm just going to so, gradually do all the weapons. When it comes to weapons, you know, you're going you're to have to redo the whole arm. Hmm. That's all right. So, yeah, well, it is, but you've got, like, a whole arm to paint. And this is what I mean. You, you know, you're going to be doing... It's going to be enough of your time just to, to paint a new weapon with a whole new arm on it. Yeah, that's true. So, I hadn't really thought about that, actually, with all that paneling. Hmm. And Anyway. Oh, that's, well, that's uh, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I've... Um, I'm I'm heavily on with him. So when I some of some of the guys may have seen if they have been so inclined um some of the video stuff that we've started doing. So the most recent one I did my my hobby desk update um what would have been last Wednesday now and um at that point I've just finished airbrushing the volcano cannons um yep. or re-airbrushing them because I wasn't happy the first time so I did them again was really pleased with those um and so he's come on quite a way since then all the yellow panels are done blue and white panels are done um the the um chevrons type things are done so basically now i'm gonna wash all of the edging with the ink um the ink you don't have the ink i don't have 50 50 probably watered down or mixed down um, with some kind of surfactant. With some kind of what? Surfactant. So something that breaks the um, the water tension. Yeah, all right. Some surfactant. Yeah, i get <laughs> so some wash of that. So washing up liquid or um, this, the floor polish, which uh, the clear floor polish is a good one for it. Yeah. Um, Doesn't just, like Lamy and Medium just do that? A little bit. I actually think that Aircast Thinner does it a bit better. Okay. Ah, there we go, look. Learning something new all the time. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on from words that are far too big for me. Or soap. Or soap. Yeah, okay. Yeah, bar of soap, blob of that on it. A blar, bar of soap? Yeah, so have it, have it next to you. I'm not joking either. Um, this is getting uh, silly. If you get a bar of soap, I use pet brush soap, and just, you know, wet your brush, put it on there, and then put it in there, it will have the, a similar effect. Nah, I'm definitely going to buy the overpriced thing with the Citadel logo on. It's just happening. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than soap. Um, but anyway, going back to what I was saying before surfactants, I'm going to put that on and then I'm going to put start putting all the panels on. Um, yeah. So that when I'm highlighting, I'm just like working on the bits you can actually see rather than the bits that are hidden. Um. So he'll he'll start to come together nicely then. I'm really looking forward to transfers, to be honest. Although, yeah. 
the the niggling problem in my head is that a while ago now, admittedly, it was shown that full colour transfers would get done. Um, certainly, I think Griffonicus and Mortis ones were actually shown, like on the big screen. Yeah. Well, I don't know where they are, when they're coming, and I shall be frustrated if I go and put all these ones on this guy, and then the coloured ones come out, which is a bit of a bummer, really. I don't really know what to do about that. Well, I was I was just last night, when I was falling asleep, thought, oh, I wonder how much those uh, those Titanicus board sections ended up being. Um, so I went on my phone, as I do, which completely drives my wife mental. And I always end up with a lecture about how, if I wanted to around on my phone, I should do it before I went to bed. Um, but uh, I couldn't find I couldn't find them, so they've no. not been released, have they? So, no, there's lots of stuff. Lots I don't. Of stuff. I thought the idea was that all of that stuff got released fairly quickly, and when it comes to the transfers, that's a bit bit of a pain, isn't it? Really? It is a pain. It is a pain because lots of people have probably already finished their um, Titans by now. Yeah. I mean, Apart if I me. knew when they were coming, I could plan a- accordingly. So, like, if I knew they weren't out till January, but they were yeah. definitely out in January, then I would get this guy to the transfer stage, get the next thing to the transfer stage, and then wait. Yeah. But hey-ho, we don't know. So, not a lot we can do about that. No. Um, so, he's nearly done, and the knights are done, completely finished now. I did the bases, quite pleased with them. I tried to tie them in with how my Salamander's Horus Heresy army is done. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much that. And I'll, um, I'm hoping to get the Warlord done this week ahead of the Warhound Titans coming out. Yeah, I, I've just ordered a Reaver because I'm frightened if I don't at least have one, then I'll, it'll be next month and I'll have, and I'll have, that was the arm falling off my tight. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll, uh, I'll end up buying the Warhounds and then never get round to, this is like I was saying to you the other day, there's so much coming out that actually, if you miss it in the month, it is quite hard to go back and catch up a bit. Um, yeah. Unless, unless it's the one thing that you're doing, if you're working on Titanicus and you're not trying to keep up with Nightbolt, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, well, October, I, I decided, would be Titanicus month. Yeah, so I think that's a very good idea. Doing the nights, doing the thing, and then I'll do the Warhounds. If there's some downtime between... So if the Warlord gets done before the Warhounds arrive, then yeah. I will do something else that's not Titanicus related, just as like a reward, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but then I'm going to do the Warhounds, and um, then if there's time after that in a month, I might, and I've got some pennies, I might get another three knights yeah. and yeah. do them. I will get a Reaver at some point, but um, I'd like to get a reasonable selection of the different classes. So I know obviously a, a warlord is, is different to a reaver, but they're both battle titans. So I want to make sure I've got battle titan, scout titan and knights for when we go away in November. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good idea. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. And you've been, um, <laughs> using up the world supply of green stuff, rebuilding pretty, all of the rings miniatures. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I just got completely distracted by Lord of the Rings. Quite completely distracted. Um, so I had a, a thought to just put together a few models from my. No, I didn't. Let's start with the obvious. I, I got the box, my bits back boxes out to see what I had. And having worked in games workshops and 
you know, knowing people who do the hobby and doing the hobby myself, I've collected quite a lot of just bits um, and old miniatures. So I wanted to see what I'd actually got. So I got it all out and one thing led to another and I haven't stopped putting them together. Um, <laughs> my evenings have been spent watching Voyager while assembling Lord of the Rings models. And some of them have been re- really challenging, actually. It's, it's required me to um, dig out skills that I haven't used in a long time. Well, you've um, re-sculpted some legs, haven't you, on the wargs? Yeah, so there's the three of the wargs needed new legs. Um, uh, you'll remember his name more than I can, but the the warg rider catch. Yeah, Sharku, I had to rebuild an arm for him, um, which is a mixture of green stuff, carved plastic, and uh, and a, and a warg rider arm with the, with the clothing carved off because he's bare-armed. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to to do the Witch King, he was quite... Oh, he's yeah. just That I didn't really have to do much other than he was missing a leg. So I managed to find a leg from the other um, fell beast, which has got his sort of foot drawn up. Um, but, I, you know, I had an arm for the other one, just not the foot. So I, I replaced mm. the arm and swapped the foot over. And so one's gri- reaching out and one's sort of kind of gripped a bit. But it looks cool. Um, there's some whopping great big gaps on that, and constructing that with the number of pins that you need to to make it like structurally sound is quite phenomenal, really. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you got a sharp drill bit. Yeah, I've gone through three or four. Um, what else have I done? Well, I've done a box of Mordor orcs, box of Moranan orcs. Of course, I've done the whole of Palinor Fields. Um, done a whole bunch of me- old metal Mordor orcs. Moria um, goblins. I've done so many Moria goblins, I thought my face was going to melt off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I've kind of lost track a bit. Uh, there's so many. Um, oh, you know what you need to guard. get? Isengard crossbow. When I had to rebuild an Ibe- oh, yeah. Isengard crossbow. Oh, my um, goodness. Out of... Uh, well, not rebuild. Yeah, so I had, it, I had too many crossbows with the arms on and not enough crossbows without the arms on so I had to carve the arm off and you know it was it's all good skills to sharpen up again but when you're working with metal you know it's a difficult one because you can't be I don't think you can be as easily precise as you can with metal with metal as you can with resin or plastic so when you're trying to file away a surface you've got to give it some beans just to get the metal to sort of go anywhere otherwise you're sat there for a while um and in, and because you're pushing so hard, you're not quite as in control as you you know I'd want to be. Um, yeah, I find it quite hard to see the detail as easily as well on metal miniatures. Absolutely, especially when you're cleaning it up and when it's all shiny, you lo- I you think you lose a lot of the surface detail. Um, mm. So what I'm probably do is what I've always done with with metal models is undercoat them, and then before I do anything, sit and examine it. And make sure I've got everything, because when you undercoat it, you can see the mould lines you couldn't see before. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that, because I can remember when I was... I must have just started working Games Workshop, I think. But anyway, I'd bought a Chaos Lord on a horse, I think it was. And it came in two halves. Yeah. And up until then, I was always quite lazy with metal models and just put them together. But you, you, I came to one of your painting nights, and you got me... I basically painted one side yeah, that's right. of yeah. the inside red. And then put the two pieces together and sort of like 
ever so slightly moved and pushed them and then pulled them apart. And when the where the paint had come off, you knew you had to file that away a bit. Yeah, that was a good trick. Yeah, that's that's straight out of the heavy metal modelling guys from nineteen nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely is. Yeah, um, I like that so, one. So that was good fun. Um, I was going to say, what you need to do is get. Um, I was looking online. They're like they're called plan cabinets, I think, or drawing cabinets. They're like like a chest of drawers, but each drawer is really thin and massive. Like when you go to like the Museum of Natural History and you pull it out and it's got all the moths and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those they're really expensive. They're between like twelve hundred and fifteen hundred quid each. But oh, oh yeah. imagine it! Imagine just pulling it out and be like, "Yeah, this is this is the drawer of Isengard." it would be great thing is with Isengard with all this stupid pikemen yeah it probably wouldn't fit would they no it'll just get knocked over yeah have collapsible pikes it has in doing it again and I know I banged on about this last week and I'm sorry for sounding like a stuck record but every every unit I was doing everything every project I was heading into the project every army so for example the first it was a Rohirrim and then it was the Moria. I was finding units that don't exist anymore. Like, uh, so I've got a few more. So the Black Shields for the Goblins. I really wanted a core unit of Black Shields to go with that many just normal Goblins. Hmm. They're gone. They don't, they don't make them anymore. Um, Prowlers, because I remember Prowlers being wicked. Um, vicious, like with, you know, able to do some damage, which Goblins don't always find easy. Um, uh, Citadel Guard for more, for um, uh, Gondor. I think, I do think, well, so I think you'll see the test will be in the next couple of months because we know, we know that the, the first sort of theme book is, um, Gondor based. Can't quite yeah. remember the name of it, but it's, um, Armies of Gondor or something. So going by what the conversation that was had at the open day, what will happen is those sort of historic models like the Citadel Guard will become available again, repackaged when that book comes out um, or around that time. And then down the line, what I would hope and imagine to see is sort of a reimagining of Shadow and Flame, for example, which was the book about Moria. And yeah. in there, when when that comes along, you'll get like the Moria goblins with drum and the prowlers and the black shields. Yeah, and I think... Um... One of the things that's encouraging about that was Duncan, Duncan just done an article for the community that was about his, um, fiefdom army. And it's just wonderful. Um, cause he's a very talented hobbyist and he approaches armies in a wonderful way. You know, he has, um, like an idea in his head of what he wants to do and then, and then kind of creates that image. Um, and so he's got big units of the fiefdom. So the, um, yeah, Axeman of Lossenark and um, Swordsman of you know, all of that lot. But a lot of those aren't on sale at the moment. I think the Swordsman are. I'm pretty sure the Axemen aren't. Um, I know that the, the Pikeman guys are, the, the footmen of Dol Amroth, but the, a lot of it isn't readily available yet. And I, no. I would be very surprised if Games Workshop were publishing articles about stuff that was not available and was never going to be again. Oh, yeah. I mean. It, that that would be surprising. So fingers crossed. Um, but I, I'm off the hobby desk again. We're on to Lord of the Rings. So, <laughs> but uh, the other thing I've been doing is building um, or painting my um, um, realm of battle board. Um, so I've got the 
the old one, the original one with the you know, grassy plains and his weird skull pits. Yeah. Um, Nothing so, weird about a skull pit. Every <laughs> garden weird. needs one. Um, so they're all they're all painted, and um, I was very pleased with them. So, um, I've, and I've explained how I did them before, but I, I sat down to flock them the other day, or, or um, or rather static grass them, um, and thought I'd be a smart ass about it, um, and use um, a static static you know applicator thing. Yeah, I gave myself one a hell of an electric shock with it. I tell you so. You know, for the record, two <laughs> AA batteries will wake you up. If you <laughs> How My, did you do that then? Um, well, I'm right because what you would normally do is is a sort of attach it to a metal sheet underneath, roughly. What you would do you know, is so create a static field. But what yeah. a lot of people do is attach it to like a paper clip and put it where you want the static grass, and then move it around. Right. And what I was doing was banging it off of my hand while I was holding the crocodile clip. The rubberized bit, but I must have um, touched the metal on the crocodile clip, and then when I banged it on my hand, you know, c- completed the circuit and and um, excellent. Yeah, yeah, my hand was aching for a good half an hour. So just for the record, two AA batteries will <laughs> um, give you quite a punishment if you're not paying attention. Um, <laughs> oh dear. So what I was intending to do was to I, I wanted to use that because I thought it would make it a bit denser. Um, yeah, because my experience in the past, of, you know, doing them in Games Workshop was just to put PVA glue on and then just chuck tubs of the stuff at it and and then bang it off and then move it around and keep going like that. Um, I kind of did that, but rather than chuck it at it and uploading a tub, I you know was using the static grass thing. But I think where I went wrong was I was using too long a grass. So I thought because I was being a smartass about it, I'd shove in some six mil grass in with a two mil. Um, to try and get some different textures across it. Um, it didn't really work as well as I'd hoped at all, to be honest. Um, it doesn't look terrible. It doesn't look bad. Um, but it doesn't look as dense as I'd want. And the first board was better than the, the two that came after, because, I don't know, I didn't manage to get the same density, because I guess there was less of the two mil stuff hitting hitting the bottom. So, mm-hmm. um, Which wouldn't matter, but where you're at the board edge, the two abut each other, and there's a real there is a transition... Um, yeah. that bothers me um, and I don't really know how I'm going to fix that to be honest without taking it off and starting again and I really loathe to do that because it's not not cheap and it's but it's there like we go time consuming as well isn't it yeah I suppose what I could do is just paint on some really watered down PVA and you know, so I was going to say when I was I remember um, Games Workshop Bath used to have I think I think I think Jay did it, who runs Bristol now. He, they did that. They watered down PVA and put on it. And then did a second round? No, they didn't, actually. I, I, Sorry, I just clicked, twigged, twigged as I was saying that. That wasn't what you were going to say. I thought you were going to say. What they did is they put this PVA on it and allowed it to dry, and it made it like a solid mat, like so it didn't come off. It didn't look too bad, actually. It didn't look like go all flat, but it was very tough, very hard-wearing. Yeah. Well, it's something to come back to. Yeah. You know, um, and it won't be the last board I make, and the you know. The... But there we go. So, um, what was our topic this week? Um, weathering. Um, you we were going to talk about streaking. Uh, we were. But then I almost got arrested doing some research about streaking. Did you? Um, well, yeah. I, I've just seen half of the um, Bobbin football team running naked across the roundabout. So, oh, um, right, okay. Uh, well, probably the rugby team actually, but it could be either one. 
Um, y- yeah. Which was disturbing to say the least, but there we are. Um, so I've seen, my, <laughs> I've seen my, my streaking for the week is done. Um, it's done. Yeah. So streaking, um, oil. I think streaking is a, is a really good, um, technique for adding age more than anything to, to a thing. It implies time has passed more than say perhaps chipping. I know that sound might sound daft, but. If you if you had an inceptor drop into a battlefield with all the flak that they're firing at him um, and all the you know impacts onto the ground and then the bullets hitting hitting them and the smoke and all that by the time he's touched the floor he's going to have chipping so I don't think chipping is much for me and that's why I always try and weather my models because I don't think that that concept of a perfectly painted marine striding out of the production line makes a great deal of sense to me. Mm. Um, so I've always always done those things to, well, as best as I can, or my best as my ability allowed, to try and make things look more realistic. And weathering has been something I've picked up over the last year to, to add to that. Um, and as soon as I've learned to do it, I've, I've done it. Uh, with streaking, I think, it implies time has passed. So that I, a, a patch of rust has formed, and then... The water has dragged the pigment from the pust, uh, from the rust down the, the metalwork or the paintwork, or that oil in a joint has dripped down, or that dirt has gathered and then sort of streaked down. What do you mm. think? Um, yeah, I I think um, like many things, it depends how you use it. So, like with the chipping, for example. You can sort of combine, so you can do chipping that's quite fresh, and then you can do chipping that's maybe deeper, and chipping that's maybe got rust in it. So yeah. you can show that the age. And I think again with the the streak streaks, like if you have something that's rusty with rusty streaks coming off it, like you say, then that that gives that implication, especially when they're more like dried streaks as opposed to glossy wet ones that have just happened because the other thing you can so the only real experience i've had with streaking is where i've done it um on a tank which is um operating well actually my salamanders ones where it where it's dust is streak so that it's got it's got dusty and then it's rained or whatever and and it's streaked on it then yeah Um, so yeah i think I think like many things, depending on how you do the different techniques, it will give you different different examples of age. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So how do you do it, I suppose, is, is the next way, isn't it? So um, I think the, f- the first and the easiest way is is to paint it on with whatever you want, usually a, a, an ink, I find, or, or a wash. Um, find where you want the dirt to come. Acrax Earthshade is absolutely perfect for that, and I've, I've done a bit of it on um, uh, the arm guard for my Titan, and I posted a picture of that on Instagram if people wanted to see. But just a little bit of streaking um, coming down with some with some Acrax Earthshade um, is is a dead easy way to start. And um, the second one um, is if you're using the pigment like a um, your, your mud effects or like we were talking about in previous um, episode. Was it last episode we were talking about pigment? Yeah, weathering powders, yeah. Yeah. So you can mix that down with some form of solution and paint that on as a paint. You know, water it right down and get it to a paint-like consistency uh, and then paint that on um, is another way of doing it. How did how did you do your dust streaking on yours? Because you were using a bit of weathering powder to do 
your dust yeah. on your salamanders. Did you use, did you just paint? So no, so so what we did is we used oil paints. Yeah. Um, so for example, I was grey for the grey dust, and um, we were getting some um, white spirit painting like a line of it down the tank and then quickly getting a bit of the grey and blobbing it at the top of the line and then it just runs down. Like Okay, yeah. Um, and the nice thing that I liked about... And it's funny, actually, because you said I talk about varnish. If you're using white spirit on your models, varnish them first, because <laughs> otherwise you'll have a disaster. Nothing um, more consistent is down. No, exactly. Um... <laughs> Uh, but if you do that when it's dry if you go back with white spirit again you can take it off or adjust it slightly or whatever you want yeah um which i like yeah so oil, oil is oil was the next one i was going to come on to actually so oil paints are great done exactly like dan has just said um, the lovely thing about oil paints that i like is that you get a really good capillary action yeah from like oils and enamels and stuff it's just it's just mental like when i was painting my nights recently i bought ak interactives rust streaker streaks product and um where you've got the little tiny panel lines on those tiny nights i was just like and it was going around all these lines i was like this is flipping sweet (laughs) i'm loving this it's great that was that was the next set of products i was going to come on to actually so the enamels done done by companies specifically for streaking yeah. Um, and they work in a very similar way to oils, um, but are perhaps, well, they are a lot thinner. Um, and the idea with those, particularly the AK ones, is you paint the streak on, um, allow it to dry, and then you get white spirit on cotton wool bud or piece of cotton wool, and then you, you drag it across in the direction you want the streaking to go. Um, and it blurs it and makes it look a lot more realistic. Um those products are phenomenal because um, they're designed for, for doing it, really, I think is the bottom line. Um, they are a bit pricey, though. Yeah. So I think my, first, my advice would be when it comes to streaking, start start with your Agrax or, um, you know, rust colour. You could go for a Brighton Flesh Shade or something like that. Um, or even if you're being adventurous, Fugan Orange. And uh, and do your rust streaks by hand, just coming out of whatever chip or corner of a panel or, or wherever you know you want it to come from, and see see where you go from it. I think when it comes to streaking, there is one key thing that must always be obeyed, and that is that you need to think how water behaves. So you are implying the movement of a color on a large object in a direction um, that would happen naturally. So um, gravity, not to put too fine a point on it. Um, yeah. uh, if you've got it running in the wrong direction, it will look bonkers, um, and your brain will tell you it's not right. Um, even though you know you might be able to come up with a clever solution for it, like you know, if you have a land speeder, for example, you could argue that you'd get streaking going, you know, as the wind was running off of it. Probably, I think you'd have to work pretty hard to pull that off and make it convincing. Um, but, you know, have a go. I, I tried to do some some streaking and some sort of soot effects on the top of my Inceptors to imply kind of re-entry burn, um, which I'm quite proud of. I think it's quite well. 
um, made the hours of chipping work and fine lining I did on the on the jetpack a complete waste of time. But um, that was, <laughs> that's a lesson. Good, eh? That was a lesson learned. Um, so yeah, think about what what direction will the water be flowing because that that is how you need to do the streaking. And if it if you know that simple rule isn't followed, it will look it will look weird. Um, hmm. um, I think when it comes to streaking and those kind of like particularly things like snow on a tank, because I only say this because I've, I've watched, I spent four hours watching him do it. Um, James Wapple is just a legend when it comes to this stuff, I think. Um, and he's got so much content out there that you can just sit and watch. Um, that, you know, and he does like live streams when he's doing it so you can see how he's doing it and, the thing I love about watching him is he uses the biggest brushes in the universe. Um, he may as well be, <laughs> he may as well be painting it with a you know, house brush, um, and still gets excellent results. So, um, well worth looking him up for it, um, for sure. So well, I think that's all he, I've got to say. He wanted to, say to talk a bit about blood as well, didn't he? Yeah, only quickly. So because um, we've kind of spoken about it before, haven't we? Um, yeah, it does come up. I don't know why. So blood, I think I put, I want to talk about blood in the same way as streaking because, um, it's very similar in a lot of ways, but it's a final texture to put on. So I think it should come after everything else. Um, because if it, it depends what, well, I suppose it depends what you're implying. So if you're wanting to use your products to give you an aged result, I would recommend mixing in null oil to, or a, a black wash into all brown wash into your blood mix so i use blood for the blood god i think it's phenomenal i don't think this would ever be looking for a different one because it just is great um i've mixed my own ones up before using black ink and a bit of this and a bit of that um i never got it really looking quite so good as blood for the blood god if you mix in a bit of that um wash and i use dull wash to because when it's dry it should look and um, that can be used to paint on a, you know, an impression of older blood. You can do that earlier on in your weathering process. Um, and then over the top, you, you know, your actual blood um, can be splashed and, and put on. And we've talked about a couple of ways of doing that, using an um, airbrush through a loaded brush. That looks quite well for splatter. Using That's a fine, one of my favourites. I like that. Um, using a fine brush or a decent pointed brush and Flipping it, flicking it across the direction of the blade to which the blood, you know, the cut would have been made. Building that up, that looks quite good. Or, um, if you're really going for the gory effect, which I do quite a lot on corn because I just think it fits. Um, you can do it pooling at the bottom of the blade as if they've just you know, hammered it into something and come out. Um, I think there's a fine line between getting gore overdone and underdone, really. Um, Recent very good example of how it's, I think it's done almost perfectly uh, is Marcus's um, fiends. Uh, he's done a fantastic job with the gore, um, particularly around the mouth of his of the. Um, yeah, I thought that of really the, uh, bloodhound. So, and you can see the different layers he's put on to make it look aged and then new, uh, and it's a really good example of that. So check them out. They're on. You know, he's posted them on Twitter, Instagram, and on our on our. Um, Hobby forum, so they're, they're easy to find. That's Marcus Riley. I think it's Tagmar is his tag on the other two. 
T A E G M A R. Um, so I suppose that's all I've got to say on it. Um, so I think we've spoken about it a lot, haven't we? But yeah, and um, it would be really nice if anyone has been at all inspired to give weathering or any other techniques we've discussed to go. If you wanted to ping us some pictures, either put them up in the hobby group, which would be wonderful. You're all, everyone's welcome in there. Um, or even just, um, personal message them to the two P's just so you can see them because it's, it's just ace to see what people are doing. Yeah. And people have, have already done that. And thank you for doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause like we, when it's the same disclaimer, we're not experts at this. We just have a go and we're just talking about the things that we've done and had to go out and work. So, um, we've tried to drop people's names in. We think we've done it better or a good place to go and look. Um, there are certainly, you know, great books by Vallejo on weathering. Um, uh, and, you know, not to forget the one that inspired me right at the outset, the Forge World, um, masterclass books are, are just frankly ridiculously good. Um, bit pricey, but very, very good. Um, and they're on games which are models. If you do games which are models, it's easy to transfer those techniques over. Um, so, you know, go, go and have a look around, see what you come up with. And if you find something new that we haven't covered, um, we definitely want to learn it. So <laughs> show us and send us pictures of it. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's our weathering section. So if you would like to hear us talk about another kind of topic for a while, um, then drop us a message about that too. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Shall Let's... we head into the grim darkness? Have we talked about everything in the hobbies desk that we said we were going to talk about in the intro? Maybe. I think we should probably check at the end of every session. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly a good idea. Right. Um, but for now, we're going to assume we have, um, and we are going to head into the galaxy of war. Hi guys, and uh, welcome to the Galaxy of War. Dan's currently eating some grapes, so I thought I'd take an opportunity to tell you how close we were to uh, not recording tonight, because um, Dan could not pry himself away from Strictly Come Dancing. It is movie week! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, outrageous! What are you saying? <laughs> so, you finished your grapes then, dude. Yeah, and this is my introduction, and you're just stealing it. Well, I thought I'd get in there while you had a mouthful. (laughs) (sighs) Well, okay. Okay, listeners, welcome to the grim, horrible darkness. And you've already seen it's grim and horrible with that kind (laughs) of introduction from Mr. Hall. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. (laughs) Right. So I'm off track now. Right. Yeah. Okay. So new releases, (laughs) dude. We've got a ton of new releases. It's October. Well, it's October, although... There's no orcs in White Dwarf, but there are orcs definitely coming. White Dwarf, we were discussing, doesn't it? Seems to be doing more of a sort of stuff that's come before and um, just about to come out now. It is a shame, isn't it? It is a bit. Um, I did like the like getting White Dwarf and seeing something like, oh. But what I would say, um, not necessarily specific to Galaxy of Wars, this month I've really enjoyed it. I've read it cover to cover. Uh, and there's been a good mix of things in there. So um, I have I liked think, it. 
consistently I've enjoyed them for a long time, actually. There's only that, that Titanicus one I thought was a little bit not quite so good as the others, but um, overall, I, I think because they haven't been able to, you know, just get away with it being a catalogue, because that was one of the biggest complaints I remember from when I was a Games Workshop staff member, um, and they really came at it and, and sort of re- you know, re-envisioned it. And I think ever since that, I, I find the articles are really, really good and on their own merit as well. So, yeah, kudos to them. Loving it. Um, so, Warhound Titans. Oh, dude. So two in a box, £40. This good. Yeah, they're lovely. They're really I've nice. I've always wanted a Warhound. Now you're going to buy 20 <laughs> Well, no, hang on, no. You are going to get one, two, eight. No, I've toned you, you, it down. No, you have I'm gonna, to get eight. No, I don't. Cause oh, I, I've listened to this for years, and now it comes along and the rules have changed. Go on, then. No, I, I can do with with a simple tree expansion. So um, two, two warlords means three reavers, which means six or four warhounds. Right, okay. Four warhounds. Yeah. If you right. can sleep at night, that's fine. My wallet can sleep a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, something else exciting! I found um, uh, a box full of uh, Epic Forty K. Did you? I did. Yeah, with Marauder bombers, uh, Thunderbolt fighters, um, uh, Lehman Rust tanks, loads of stuff. Really quite excited about it. I think it was my brother's old army. Um, oh, so I'm, I'm jealous. Go- that sounds ace. So I'm going to be... You know, remember the little plastic scenery bits? Mm-hmm. That, ca- that came on infantry sprues? On the basing, on the basing sprues? I'm going to be using those on my wall or Titan base. Oh, cool. At the ruins? So, yeah. That looks, I, know, I, I completely forgotten about that, and I, there it is. They throw that in, just completely disrupt a section. Well, that's fine. Um... It's better than talking about Strictly Come Dancing, let's be honest. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Warlord. I, I've always... I think one of the things that Titanicus is doing for me, and the Warhounds have really brought it home, uh, and it started with the Warlords, is that they're not a Titan Legion. It's like a, it's like a knight army, in that you can paint every single one completely differently, as long as you're following a few basic kind of Colors, color principles. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So when I do my warhounds, they're all going to be different, and I'm really excited about it. <laughs> they're going <laughs> to have stripy pack carapaces, and and you know, praying carapaces, and maybe some with a lot more yellow, some with less yellow. Um, and then I'm going to choose the one I like the best. So when I eventually do get my war warhound, you know, for 40k, I'm going to choose that. So kind of, it's a good way to test your color scheme, isn't it? Yes, for yeah. the bigger beast. Yeah, it is definitely. Um, they come with eight or four different weapons, two of each one. Cool. So there's quite a few weapons in there. That's um, a lot of painting just for the weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Although I actually think they're going to be a much quicker because they're quite considerably smaller than the warlord. Yeah, well, I'm hoping so. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have a reaver soon, so if that goes well. I think um, one of the things I really hope that they have off is enough transfers to do the same 
transfers on both of them. There's the night transfer sheet does not have enough to do that. No. It's very frustrating. Well, we were talking just before we started, weren't we, about the transfer situation for Titanicus, because also there was talk, well, there was shown examples of um, coloured transfers for the Legios. We've, we've um, totally talked about this in the hobby list, Dan. Did we? Yeah, we just had a whole conversation about it. I thought we spoke about it before we even started recording. No, mate. Okay. No, because remember I talked about the boards as well? Yeah. Are you sure you don't want to go and finish watching Strictly Come Dancing and then come back? Because <laughs> so your mind isn't well, when wondering. My mind is less addled. <laughs> right, you know, honestly, so... I have complete blank. I cannot remember having that conversation. Uh, anyway, evidently, <laughs> evidently. <laughs> right, so um, yeah, there's not enough transfers, for example, to, to put the uh, the white eagle on all three of the knights in the box, and I think that's I think that's. Weird is the right word. It's just a strange thing. You have to um, go and raid others. Well, yeah, I guess you would. I mean, I think I'm going to go for... I'm a, when it comes to knights, I, I kind of first thought, are oh, I going to do the knight scheme that I did for my 40k knight? But the 40k knight was the first model I painted when I got back back into the hobby two, three years ago. Um, and I've done a reasonably good job. It's not pants don't get me wrong but i hadn't weathered it and the color scheme is okay but i I've now having done the titans i know i could have done a better job if i'd used an airbrush um and actually that i can never remember the name of them but the house that duncan paints i've fallen in love with that color scheme griffiths griffiths so yeah maybe doing them so if i've got the cream carapace you might be in luck for some white transfers, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> did you know um, that originally they did say that they were going to do coloured transfers for the Titans? Did they? Yeah. Uh, no one's ever told me that. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> moving on. Um, New Marine unveiled today. Unveiled today. Yeah, uh, he's nice. Five isn't he? Yeah, he's nice. N- another lieutenant, so um, we'll be having squads of them. Yeah, but I like they're very specific with what they, you know, they're they're saying that they're equipped with lieutenant with stalker bolt gun. They're, that's what they're doing, I think. Mm. So rather rather than um, uh, having like a lieutenant kit, like you used to have the wall, uh, the captain kit. Um, you know, they're doing all these different ones. Uh, I like him because there's some yeah, stuff like on it which is which is different. I particularly like the fact that it shows the, you know, the the dismantable helmet, which gets talked about so much in Black Library. You know, I remember reading Brothers of the Snake, and they were they were talking about raising their visors, and I was like, what are they? What is he talking about? Um, and it was the lenses on their actual helmet, but you know, retracting into the into the upper section, um, and the fact that you could take off the top section of the helmet and leave the actual, you know, the mask, the rebreather. It's all been written about, but I think it's the well, certainly the first time I've seen it on a Primaris model. Um, apart from maybe you could say the aggressors, there's the dude with the, you know, with the big sort of um, rebreather kit that looks like, I suppose, you could have the helmet on top. But he's this one's very obvious, isn't it? He's holding the, the helmet in his hand. Yeah. Um, 
So I really like it. I, I really do. And I like the pose. He looks like um, uh, that sergeant from Saving Private Ryan lobbing his helmet at someone. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. it! Bam! <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, like it a lot. And don't even get me started on the night horn. I'm so in love with the night horn models. It's just <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, nice, isn't it? I shall be um, leading a raiding party down to the local games workshop to purchase both of those, I think. <laughs> Good. Um, right, you want you you had some stuff to say about the Carnadon tank. Well, yeah, not a massive amount. Just, um, I suppose it... I don't know how to start with it. But, yeah, the Carnadon tank is the new um, main battle tank for the... Uh, Astra Militarum equivalent of from 30k. It's based on the troop transport. Solar Auxilia. Yeah, Solar Auxilia, that's right. It's, it's based on the troop transport, which name I haven't I haven't prepped this section. Dan's just thrown it on me just before we started recording. But it's based on the troop transport that they've done. And they've very much gone with um, the same kind of principles as the Rhino kind of, and the Rhino derivatives. Yeah. Uh, in that they have literally just stuck four las cannons on this thing, and it, it could in, so easily be a new version of the Predator Annihilator. Um, that in fact, when I showed it to Glitterscaven, he was like, "Oh, isn't that the new Space Marine Predator Annihilator by Forge World?" I was <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was. I suppose it kind of makes sense because that's how that's how the Imperium operates, isn't it? They've got all the technological ingenuity of a, of a slug so <laughs> yeah um they like i suppose they thought oh we can do it with a rhino why can't we do it with that um yeah. and that's what they've and that's what they've done and i suppose it makes perfect sense um but i've i've loved the the tank offerings from forge world i, I primarily love the fact that they're all new and different and really different like the Mastodon tank, for example, is like a country mile away from the Land Raider. Um, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So this this was a bit, when I saw it, I was a bit surprised. But I suppose it, you know, it, like I said, it works, fits with the background. So I should imagine what they've done is got the STC for the, the, the troop transport version of it. And then thought, well, let's just do what we did with the, the Rhino. Um, so if you get a Razorback version of it, a Whirlwind version of it, um, a stalker version of it, then. So I um <laughs> I like it because it's part of that family. So yeah, like for example, the Macarius tanks in in forty k for the when they came out for the Krieg, and then various different ones came out that were all based around the same chassis. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I really liked that. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think. As with everything, it's it's about personal preference, isn't it? I don't. Oh think, yeah, of course. I I didn't see it and think I need to have one of those. That's probably for the best. That's one of the things I find with thirty k um, is that I find I find the space means quite accessible. Um, there are plastic versions of all of them, practically. Uh, you know, all the major troop options. Um, in that you could buy all of your ground troops in plastic, and you'd only need to get. The, um, and in fact, a dreadnought as well. You only need to get some of the, well, the tanks and the characters in resin, um, yeah. and you can convert the tanks uh, of the um, characters. Sorry, in fact, you can have a good old go at converting the tanks, but you know they're they're available. But when it comes to the the ones that you should be able to have a metric buttload of, 
which is the Sony Auxilia, they are just ridiculously expensive. <laughs> uh, yeah. In, like, the, the cost of doing a, a Guardsman army in 30k is multiple times the cost of a Space Marine army. Like, many, many multiples. And Well, it is now that there are plastics available. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, I suppose you could say, well, you know, the Cadian armor isn't must have been around at some way in the 30k in some description or another. Or um, you know, there was plenty of different guards regiments, so you could. I certainly wouldn't have any issue with it, somebody turning up with like an Admech Gene Steeler Colt Cadian conversion thing going on and saying, this is my solo auxiliary army. I wouldn't have an issue with that at all. Um, because if that's the army that floats your boat and you need, you know, and you, you don't have access to a vast, you know, lottery level sum of money <laughs> in a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. But anyway, I, you know, so that's why I probably put off a little bit by the tag because every time they bring out something for it, I think, yeah. Glad I... <laughs> well, there we go. So that's that. So there's loads of new stuff, as always. October. I mean, let's talk about the buggies, because they've got really good pictures. And that wicked video with the rocket thing, the wingless rocket buggy of rocketness. <laughs> you don't need wings to fly. Only the orcs know. It's so good. It is good, isn't it? I can't wait. I mean, they've said very clearly in the most recent post that Look, there's all these, um, and there's like, you know, the buggy can be built in three different ways by the look of it. I mean, it's not, it's a really diverse kit, and you've got the new Orc War Boss on his, on his trike thing, and then it's like, oh, but there's going to be more as well, and you can use those in speed freaks, and I was like, oh, how many trucks is there going to be? I'm really excited about it. I'm hoping that they do death copters. Oh, they've, they've, oh no, they were in Black Reach, weren't they? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think they could do some wacky looking ones. I really do. I think they look ace. <laughs> I saw some um, some orc aircraft done up to look like um, the Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. What is the name of the ships? Vipers. Vipers, yes. <laughs> they were so good. I'm going to have to share those with people because that's a long time ago, but I still kept the link. They were really, really good. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. So, um, so personal hobby wise, so Galaxy of War, so I've been doing, I've been on a bit of a gaming mission, um, trying to fit something as an update for my 52 games. Well, one game a week was my goal for 2018. And today I played game 52. Against, That's cool. Uh, yeah. Against Tom. So that was cool. Um, but there's been a lot of like Necromunda and stuff in there as well. So we played today, Tom and I, because we haven't played 40k against each other for nearly a year. I think we worked out. It's been ages and I haven't played a lot of 40k. Um, been playing more Age of Sigmar and we decided to have a crack at one of the narrative missions. Um, yeah. we did the ambush. So the corn berserkers start carefully and silently snuck up and ambushed <laughs> the blood angels. <laughs> So, lies. Well, it's funny actually because I distinctly remember some Black Library um, uh, fiction where there's a column of Imperial Guard, I think it is, um, or Battle Sisters. I can't remember actually. 
might be bad. But anyway, it's like the weather's really bad and it's like thunder and lightning. And then there's a flash of lightning and they just see this corn berserker just stood motionless next to the woods. And they're like, oh, no, I think it is Sisters of Battle, actually, in it. Um, but anyway, it was very good fun. Um, Tom blasted me to smithereens but in doing so got distracted and didn't make for his own table edge so the game ended before he could get off it um which was his mission but he he did really well he blew my kaitan engine up shot khan 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 killed a knight in combat that was pretty cool um, <laughs> khan's just ridiculous so he he is he is ridiculous but if you catch him out and you can lay any damage at him, he just dies. Which is right. That's how it should be, really. Because you can't be both super survivable and super killy. Um, well, that depends. was cool. Uh, if you're Logan Grimlock, you could have a pretty good go at it. Well, that's true. That's true. They need all the help they can get, though, don't they? So. Um, yeah, so we enjoyed that. Uh, didn't even pay any attention to points or whatever, which was an odd situation, but we didn't really think about it. We just put down cool stuff. And then I was like, dude, have you got a knight? Because I think it'd be really cool if you had a knight, like, lead in the formation. And then I can bring my Kaitan so we get to use our big bottles. So that was good. Um, but it took four and a half hours by the time we set up. Yeah. Well, we drove there, set up, played the game, packed away. And not only that, we had... All of the accoutrements that come with it. So you had your books. We had the books out on the sides and your dead pile and your reinforcement pile. And then because we put it on a gaming table, which was then needed, we had to move it all. And it was such a kerfuffle. And um, at completely at the other end of the spectrum to where I've been playing Necromunda with Chris um, in the evenings where, like... I usually end up turning up at Chris's about half eight after Joshua's in bed and Betty, his little girl's in bed. And then we play Necromunda and we usually play two games and I'm home again by sort of half ten, eleven o'clock. Um, having played two games. Yeah. And there's plenty of room for all your gubbins because it's a smaller size board. Oh, mate, he came up with such a good scenario. Um, did I tell you about this? No, <clears throat> you have not. That's 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 good. That's good. I'm just checking. You never know with me. Um, well, you specifically said you weren't going to because you wanted to tell me now. So oh right, okay. I'm glad well, you remembered that out, too. Yeah. So shouting out to Chris because he he loves narrative and scenarios, and he loves Necromunda, and he's done so many cool little scenarios, and I've played a few of them, but this was just great. So we had three of the board tiles, and I had six gangers. And they were all spread out. And then he had three of the blips from Space Hulk that represented this beast that I was hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then, like, I could try and spot the beast or he could unveil the beast. And it would come out and it was, it turned out it was a gene stealer. But he'd, like, upped its stats a bit to make it, like, proper scary. And it was, like, leaping out of the duckways, ripping apart a ganger. And then all your gangers turn around and try and shoot it. But at the end of the activation, um, the beast slinks back into the shadows and it all resets. And then... But the the number of, like, blips is always equal to half the number of gangers. So as it's killing off the gangers... They're sort of zeroing in on it and it's getting braver and 
eventually I got down. I had two gangers left. Um, and the beast like leaps out and I set it on fire with my guy with a hand flamer. It then ran random, like it's random run. Cause in Necromunda, if you're on fire, you run 2d6 in a random direction and it ran over in front of another ganger who stopped it because it, it couldn't run any further because it got to warn a ganger and it was just in the doorway and my ganger shut the door on it and crushed it. Amazing. It was amazing. And the best bit was he had to make an initiative check to jump out of the way of the door on a two plus. And then we were like, well, he's on fire. Should we make the test harder? Because he's on fire so he's not concentrating and i was like nah because it'll be it'll be amazing if you you know it's unlikely but if you fail a two plus it'll be epic and he rolled a one and i was like yeah i was like proper elated because i just thought the cinematic of that this beast on fire running and then slamming the the door catch and crushing it it's just straight out of aliens it is oh alien three actually but yeah yeah definitely. yeah so so that was ace so um Basically, this all brings me around to the fact that I was talking to Tom today and we were like, we were coming up with an idea for a campaign. And then we were like, well, why don't we just do it in Kill Team? Because we'll never get time. We just won't get time at this rate. No. It just just takes ages. And it does help that like Kill Team is stunningly good value. Like the terrain, I was looking at the Minotaurum one with the crate, the containers and the crane and all. Yeah, one of the things I'm doing is monthly picking up those, you know, those, those battle zone things. Because, yeah. because it's, it's like collecting scenery. It's ace. Can't yeah. argue with that at all, really. Well, I know, I know you kindly said about, um, chucking me a copy of that rule book. Um, if you get that box still. So I think if that happens, I, I'm going to really look at, doing up a kill team i might do a primaris one with um with the models i've got from buying conquest yeah <clears throat> i i've kind of been drawn to the idea of doing a, a space wolf one but to be honest which which is hilarious i can't seem to get away from them <laughs> but um that or <laughs> that or a um a nice guardsman one yeah that would be good well we were talking about doing like an escalation type thing. So have cultists initially have make up some like enforcers, but or not inf- like local law enforcement. So we were thinking maybe using Vansar and doing a little kill team yeah. who gets sent to investigate like some strange goings on that they think's like this criminal that's shipping stuff out in the containers. And it turns out it's a chaos cult. And then like in the next one, Chaos Space Marine joins the warband and it's like the local PDF and then they are like oh no there's a Chaos Space Marine so they call in so then it's a Primaris warband against a full Chaos warband and then they summon some demons so you do demons and Primaris and then the Primaris are like right Grey Knights and the Grey Knights rock and just do it like that. Yeah that's cool. I think there's a lot to be said for those those shorter games and I think I think that's why Games Workshop have been doing it because I do think that unless you're in a tournament where you're given a like a two hour gaming window, um, you know games of four, games of forty k can take a little while. And I, so I'd imagine that the more you play it, of course, the, the slicker you get. But we, we don't just play forty k; we play 
lots of stuff. Um, and it does take me a good 10 minutes to reset my brain. I'm playing 40k, not Age of Sigma. Um, or I'm playing Blood Bowl, you know, Shadespire. All of those things I have to kind of... It takes me one game of the little ones or a good 10 minutes into a game before my brain's fully in the mode. Yeah. Um, so I can I completely... I can see exactly what I mean. I, I think I'm going to be playing increasingly more kill team than I am 40k I think um, certainly keeping my 40k games under a thousand points that's for sure because mm. uh, I find anything over that just takes too long I am however a complete jabber mouth I will talk and talk and talk so <laughs> it adds a good hour onto any game <laughs> <laughs> right I see just have to go on less won't you yes I'll have to go on less <laughs> So, shall we shall we head into those crazy realms? Yeah, let's do it. Do it. Guys, don't forget, grab some refreshments. Hi guys, and welcome to the Mortal Realms. And I am actually introducing this one. You are. I haven't just jumped in. <laughs> so, equilibrium um, is restored. Mostly, yeah. Did we talk about everything we intended to for the last one? No idea. I, I even, I have taken to talking about some things twice. Apparently, just to be sure. <laughs> uh, so, um, Age of Sigma. Few things to talk about. Um, I thought we'd lead off with uh, the new hidden agendas because I think that's quite exciting. Yes. Um, so Age of Sigma has, um, since the um, General's Handbook, and in fact people were trying before that, um, but since specifically since the General's Handbook, had a bit of a renaissance when it comes to match play games um, and tournaments, and they're getting bigger, and they're being more attended, and they're more successful, and it's awesome. But one of the things that Games Workshop have noticed is that in the case of a draw... It's quite difficult to work out who's won, um, or um, add a kind of extra dimension in. And tournaments have been using uh, things like best sport um, and other other things to sort of fine grain, I suppose, the uh, the ranking system in the tournament. It's like getting a bit of a tie break in, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so. What they, they've introduced is something called hidden agendas. And the concept of this I really like because um, obviously with wargaming, everything is a bit contracted and contrived to make it playable. So in a battlefield, um, you know, every squad in a way has its own small objective. Um, they're given, you know, take that position, move on to here, all that kind of stuff. And that's sort of reflected in the objectives that you get on the battlefield. But largely... The battle plans are identical for both players to make it that's to make it fair, um, and um, a little bit, or kind of a lot more simplified. Now, in forty k, a lot of it's covered by stratagems, so you can uh, you know, earn victory points, as it were, for doing silly little things like um, kill an kill an enemy unit in the uh, enemies' deployment zone, for example. 
um, and you score a point for that, and that you, you kind of get a lot more fine grain point scoring out of that. So this is a kind of similar thing to that. It's, it's called hidden agendas, and it's those kind of little missions um, that each army has. Um, so sort of a secondary objective um, that you can score victory points for, um, and it will decide whether you've won or won or want to lose the game in the case of a draw on the major objectives. Um, some of them are really cool, actually. <laughs> so um, a lot of the kind of obvious ones are there, like kill a certain amount of the enemy. Um, but some of the not quite so obvious ones. So um, I did mean to bring it up before we started, but I haven't because I got distracted. Um, did you say... I, I'm sorry if you said this already, but did, did you say that... Um... I know obviously they're called hidden agendas, so one would think so, but these are objectives that are kept completely secret. Oh, I, I, hang on. Yeah, no, here you go. Yes, it is. It is actually, it's, it's hidden. So if you're using the hidden agendas rule, after both armies are set up, before the battle begins, you must secretly pick one of them to apply to your army for that battle. So it's not random, you're picking it. Um... Uh, you must record this either by writing it down on a piece of paper or placing the card with the same name as the hidden agenda face down on the table or by hiding a 12-sided dice under a cup with the number the hidden agenda uppermost. Um, when you complete the hidden agenda, reveal the piece of paper and the hidden agenda has been completed. Uh, if you complete the hidden agenda, you get to roll on the triumph table. If you also score the major victory, you get to roll twice, which is pretty cool. That is good because the triumphs are very good. So let's go for there's some obvious ones. So like for example, conserve. I really like picture of a stormcast for this one, which kind of fits. Um, you complete the hidden agenda if at least one third of the units from your starting army rounded up have not been destroyed and are on the battlefield at the end of the battle. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, that's cool, but some. I mean, that's a lot harder than yeah secret mission. For example, if you were a grot army, why would you not just do that one? Yeah, secret. Yeah, the secret mission was one of the ones I wanted to bring up as being quite interesting. So that's uh, you complete this uh, if in any battleship phase um, a hero is wholly within the enemy territory, within one inch of the edge of the battlefield, and more than twelve inches from friendly territory, um, you can remove the hero from play immediately to complete your hidden agenda. Yeah, absolutely. You've, if you've got an army with disposable heroes in, why not? Or you could get a, a kind of artillery hero, um, like a spellcaster or something, get him into that position, uh, and then have them blat in people from afar and cast in spells, and then in your last turn, shuffle them off. There's mm. a number of ways of doing it. Um, Th- there's one there, Terrify. Yeah. If you're playing me, you should just take that, mate, because I um, one of the things I tend to do is deliberately position a unit of 10 Blood Reavers it, it, next to sinister terrain and then sacrifice a load of them and try and get them to run away to get the Blood Tithe points. Such a loving commander. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, and like I said, there's some obvious ones in there. Line Breaker, Centre Ground... Sacrifice, attrition. Um, they all, they all kind of... I love sacrifice. I love that because that just me encourages you just to be like, aha! Yeah, that. I'm going for whoever I can find. It's very. That um, one is. Um, although it's... The, your hero with the highest points is killed um, by yeah. an attack made by an enemy hero or monster. Um, so. Yeah, so that is so Slayer, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 
Oh, that makes me want to have a Grimrath Berserker. So there's um, it's really good. I think I think it's um, it's very Age of Sigma. It's very thematic. It, I love the fact that it's secret. Um, uh, I love the fact that you know you get to choose, so you can sort of build your army around the idea. Um, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's going to add a lot to tournaments. I hope people use it. Obviously, it's a it's a voluntary thing. I think it's not it's not official and in the in the general's handbook, but I should imagine it will find its way into general's handbook. Yeah, if I mean, if if the feedback's good, it'll be in twenty nineteen, and then they'll do cards. I reckon they'll do cards. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. I really like it. So that's um, that's hidden agendas. I love the fact that Age of Sigma. It's, it's kind of gently scratching its way forward with this kind of stuff. It's not gone, let's do it all, and um, try to see whether it all works at once. The, it's kind of building on its, you know, it's getting something right and then moving on, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like it. I, I think that's great, and I, um, I love that kind of stuff in um, the, oh, I'm trying to think of the name of them, the, the pack of cards that um, you can have in 40k and Age of Sigma actually, which open war cards. Open war, love them. Yeah, that kind of stuff. It's great. Yeah, I really like the hidden agendas, mate. I think they're ace. So what's next? So well, I kind of wanted to talk a bit about getting, um, getting shot to death by Dan Wasley's army because <laughs> <laughs> it is ridiculous. So um. We, he's, Dan's been playing Wanderers, as we know, forever no, and a day. he hasn't. Yeah. Has he? He has. Yeah. Would you believe it? No. Well, I know it? it's quite a surprise, isn't it? <laughs> it is but, So he's always looking at ways to modify his army, right? So what happened this time is it was just madness, mate, right? So he has come up with this thing. He's got a, oh... The celestial, I called it a celestial tree because that's what he's done. Um, or he's not now, he's done like a rock with like that's raised up and floating and it's got other rocks around it and a, and a magic. He's only done a really cool conversion for it, yeah. But it's essentially the um, for, from the Empire Army, the the like um, astronomy type war wagon thing, yeah, yeah. He's going to be listening to this going, Dan, for goodness sakes. But I can't know what it is. But anyway, it basically gives a plus one to hit when you're near it. Um, And then he's got Way Watchers who get a plus, a Celestial Hurricaneum, that's what it's called. Um, Get plus one to hit for standing still. But on a six or more, they generate an extra hit. And there's nothing yet that says that they don't, continue to generate hits so basically he's got like seven or eight or something shots hitting on twos and on fours he generates more and i honestly so he had two of them and um in one turn they generated 53 hits between two of them but 53 they are a free people's thing aren't they yeah so they're they're going to remove his um, keyword. What do you mean? Well, 
I suppose my mind you can take them as if he takes too many of them. Yeah, so he yeah. doesn't have his he doesn't have his allegiance yeah, ability yeah. if he does that. But to be honest, they um when the new general's handbook came out, they may they they basically shivved wanderers um because when where before their whole army could do the wandering in the wilds thing. Now only one unit can. Yeah. So there's no massive benefit to having that allegiance. Yeah. Might as well just have the standard order one and get the different units. What I do like is Dan does different things. So he's like he's made this model um, to theme it to his army, um, which I really like. I think it's quite quite cool, quite different. Um, and he's he's doing some witch elves, I think, at the moment. He's come up with well, the so, sort of war dancer thing. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing with them. I just saw a message from him saying he's got some witch elves going in. He has said when Tyrion's elves turn up, that's what he wants to do. So he's not alone. They better turn up soon. No, I know, I know. But yeah, so that was savage. So I've got to try and work out. And that was against my stormcast. A minus one rend is is really effective. Um, because most of the army's four plus saves, so going to five plus saves. But I want to use my corn again more. <laughs> um and that's just even gonna be even worse. <laughs> it's all gonna die, dude. Yeah. I don't know, I've got a plan. I've got a plan with a bloodthirster when it's painted eventually. Well, I think I think corn always struggle against shooting armies, don't they? And your army does particularly, because um you kind of rely on that marching across the battlefield and attacking. Um, or you have done every time I've played or seen you play. Um, so you're going to have to find new and adventurous ways of getting stuck in and tying those units down as fast as possible. So my latest thinking is get my blood firster. But I was going to build, like, get a load of demons, but I think I'm just going to summon them now by getting blood tithe points. Because... If my bloodthirster, if I start the game, I think I'd probably have to have 1950 points because then add an extra command point. So this Raffacorn bloodthirster can, his ability is pick a corn demon unit, including himself. And that, that unit can run and charge. And also has plus one to its run and plus one to its charge. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a move of 10 inches. So he's got, he moves 10. Then he's done that ability on himself. So he can run. But he can also, with a command point, go, well, actually, if that run, if I roll a six, uh, a one for that run, I'm going to turn into a six. So he's going to run seven because of the plus one. So that's 17 inches. But if I've got one of those guys with a whip, he can whip him and add a three to that. So now he's Shut gone 20 inches. Up. Yeah. Yeah. He's gone 20 inches. What mortal dude with a whip is going to whip a bloodthirster? Well, he loves no. it. He's a little bit kinky. No. <laughs> no, I'm not having that. No. That I'm bloodthirster go would turn round and turn him into a popcorn packet. <laughs> Stop. 
<laughs> what are you doing whipping me, mortal? <laughs> And he gets, oh my goodness. So then he charges 2d6 plus one from his own ability and three from the whip guy that's been turned into popcorn. So he's moving 20 inches and then getting a 2d6 plus four. So minimum six inch charge and possibly another 16 inches. I can't believe that dude can whip a bloodthirster and get clean yeah. away with it. <laughs> yeah. You do it again. Do it again. Keep whipping him. Um, you need chariots which actually, as well, surely. To- huh? You need something like chariots or those juggernaut things as well to, to cover the battlefield. Yeah, i got some juggernauts. They're very expensive in points, though. Go some you- chariots, then. Otherwise, you're going to leave yeah. that bloodthirster on its own for a turn and a half. Yeah, but... The bloodthirster um, is a bloodthirster. Yeah, right. is a bloodthirster. So if if he charges in, I, there's a, there's a there's an item I've just seen or looked at where if you cause eight or more unsaved wounds or mortal wounds, you generate an additional blood type point. Yeah, and there's a command ability that if you kill an enemy hero, you generate an additional blood. Five point, and of course you would have generated one anyway for killing a unit. So there's a potential for three, because he's got fly as well, so you can get over stuff to get to people. There's a potential for three blood type points right there, which is then you're talking about getting to summon stuff in. Uh huh. <laughs> that's sounds lovely. That's what I'm thinking. I really hope it works for you. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, talking about the guy with the whip has reminded me that we had the Slanesh reveal. Oh, we did, didn't we? We've completely forgotten about that. Yeah. And that what? Well, we don't know what that's for, though. I mean, if it, fit, I think it's Age of Sigma. I think it's primarily Age of Sigma. I would be. Surprised if they didn't utilize the opportunity to do something for forty k. Because let's face yeah, it, yeah, but I don't think it will be big. I don't think it will be like Fulgrim. Don't you? Uh, no, because because they if keep you were dropping into... hints about Fulgrim, don't they? So... Oh, I think he'll come along. But if you if you were into forty k, if Games Workshop were thinking, well, we want to make sure we engage people in Age of Sigmar as well, then I think they'd want to do something cool for Slanesh in one of the systems that brings people over, and then a little while later do it in the other system and then bring people back. Work the other way. Because if you had Fulgrim and Slanesh returns at the same time, you'd be like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to do Slanesh 40k or Age of Sigmar. Yeah, really hard. Or not at all, obviously. Yeah, okay. not at all. Um, I, th- <laughs> I would like to see, in all honesty, um, some Empress children because, um, you know, the, the, I think that I, I should be gutted if they go and redo them all now because, um, because uh, that means that the, the Chaos heretics will grow in numbers, but. Um, uh, the Chaos Marine itself is is particularly dated, and I think 
out of all of those, Slanesh suffers the most. Yeah. Um, because you know you've got the corn berserker model for the for corn is not it's not fantastic, but it is certainly workable, and it, it it's got enough bits in there that you could you could kit bash a decent looking unit. Um, you know you've you've got the uh, the Zinch ones are great. The Thousand Suns ones are fantastic. The Death Guard ones are fantastic. Um, and Slanesh, as far as I know, is still just like a metal add-on pack. Um, may not even be that. So, I mean, there's nothing for them, practically. So, um, I do think it would be great to see them I, take those four. I, I'm hoping Slanesh comes back into Age of Sigmar and then hot on his heels... Tyrion marches out with his army of like impeccable elves, like elves as they should be. Yeah. Oh, it'd be so good. None of this kind of, oh, well, we've gone a bit wibbly and we've got a tail and, <laughs> you know, we like swimming a lot and yeah. eating fish or whatever it is. One of my favourite pieces of fantasy art was the elves versus chaos piece of artwork that they did. And the person who painted them had made the elves look like they were almost glowing white. Yeah. It was just a wall, a shield wall of purity. And it, it's just wonderful. And I really hope they do it again. Um, yeah, so Slanesh, I mean, that model, whatever it is, a gribbly thing with looks like a cross between a scorpion and a, a, fiend. a fiend. The fiend. Was very nice. Um, but I. I've got no interest in it at all. No. Which is good. Because I, I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't buy into another East. Although the word on the street is that um, the box set is going to be Corn versus Slanesh. So, sorry, Dan. You're going to be... <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Which is great. Mm. It's going to be great. I think it's going to be great. I, I think... The Slanesh models don't don't have never done anything for me. I think they look odd and weird, um, but Slanesh coming back into the Age of Sigma universe is brilliant. It's a real catalytic, you know, moment where things are going to kick off. Um, I think that's great, and I and I hadn't really thought about what you just said, but it is a perfect sign of lead in to the return of the high elves as it were that you know that that kind of that next army release so good i'm so excited now <laughs> so talking of releases um this sort of segment i suppose we've had uh zorbag's gits yeah night vault night vault is out yeah um i haven't read the rules on the magic but um Marcus says they're good, so and I believe him. Um, but yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the gits and the, the weird Slanesh things. Oh, not Slanesh. I'm Slanesh obsessed now. Zinch, Zinch. Zinch. Um, Eyes of the Nine. Eyes of the Nine. What did you, I? Some of the models in Eyes of the Nine I like. Uh, I love the dude with the two-handed sword. Um, it's nice to see a female acolyte. Um, the the thing that everyone likes the you know weird. Character one. I'm really good with chaos names. You're gonna to have to help me, dude. He's a magister. The magister, right? The magister. I don't. I don't particularly like that. Um, but overall, you know, 
it's nice. It's going to be a sort of, it gives me a chance to dabble in some Zinch. I could probably do them alongside the Zinch from the um, Silver Tower box set. Because um, I've never painted Zinch. So probably, but, um, and the, the Gits are just fantastic. Yeah. Clearly the best um, warband that they've brought out yet. <laughs> it's just wicked. I love goblins so much. Um, and they're just everything I want the new goblins to be. Um, apart from the mushrooms, please stop putting mushrooms on them. Please, please, please stop putting mushrooms on them. <laughs> I hate mushrooms. Um, but yeah, look, they're wicked, aren't they? And, um, the, the new rules for them to play in Age of Sigmar is good too. So, um, the Eyes of the Nine have got a rule called Sorceress Insight, which is a magic spell. Um, cast on a five plus and they generate an extra command point for themselves to use for themselves. Um, which is pretty cool, I thought. Yeah. Um, nowhere near as good, good as Face of the Bad Moon, um, which is the, the Gits one, uh, which cast on a five plus again forces the enemy unit to retreat away from them. They have to be within range. Three inches, I think it is. Uh, retreat away from them. Um, and if they can't, they suffer mortal wounds. So, love that. Run, a- <laughs> run away from goblins! <laughs> love it! <laughs> um, oh my goodness. So, I'm quite... Yeah, I like both of those. Um, I've never really... I've got to be honest, I haven't really looked at the War Scrolls for the, for the other ones. Um, for their use in Age of Sigma. And I, I kind of want to go back and have a look at them now and see if they're there is some special and thematic and not just a sort of simple way of getting a uh, easy build box in. Yeah, they're... Hmm. Whether they, the others do quirky little things like that, because I like that. Getting a, a Well, Garex Reavers are the cheapest. They're 60 points, I think. Yeah. And... You use them as fodder, don't you? Because you're horrible. Yeah. Five wounds. Yeah. It's cheaper than buying ten. Yeah. Well, he's got a cool ability, but they've got no save. Or they've got like a six-up save. Yeah, I'm not even getting into it. Dude, they're running around in their pants. They don't deserve a saving throw. No, I agree with you. That's absolutely fine. But then when it comes to deciding what you're going to do with them in your army... There's a team of crack commandos. (laughs) <laughs> the eighteen, <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think uh, I think they look great. Um, I what I'm particularly fond of is the fact that it's it's two completely different units again. Um, and I, of the of the war bands that they've done or previewed, there's no two the same. Because um, I thought it was a bit of a shame with Shadespire that you had two corn and two. Stormcast, so I'm glad to see they haven't done that this time. Mm. Um, I really want to see the warband with the troll in it. Me too. Because there's some kind of, there's a picture of what looks to be a really, really angry rock, which I just think's ace. And a flying squig. And a flying squig. Yeah, there's, I, yes. I agree. So yeah, <laughs> looking forward to that. Very much looking forward to that. And, um, so you were saying before we started recording with regards to um get the cards 
situation. Oh, yeah. God, I've tried to blacken it. I... So I haven't got the new White Dwarf. Um, I have, but it's not in my possession yet because of complications. Because I'm a fool. Um, but I thought that they were releasing the the old Shades by a box set warbands with the cards that they had, the pack of cards that they had in the Shadespire starters kit. And I also thought that they were releasing the, um, the generic cards that are in the Shadespire starters kit um, separately as a separate pack. Which sounded like that makes complete sense to me. So anyone who played Shadespire does not, if they've got that box set, does not need to go and buy them again. But from what you were telling me earlier, and what Marcus was implying earlier too, the new Shadespire reboxings of of Steelheart and um, Garrick's Readers are going to have new generic cards in and new cards in um, as well as the old ones. Oh, just come on. I just, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I think that's daft. I'm, it's already hard enough to keep up with the card releases, to keep up with all the new box sets that are coming out. Um, it, you don't want to complicate that. I'm sorry. And I think that's complicating it and it's just ridiculous. And I'm, I'm quite passionately against that kind of silly thing because in the Shadespire ha- was quite a relentless release schedule. Um, to start with, at least, you know, it was a warband every couple of weeks, practically, um, certainly every month. Um, and it was hard enough to get them painted up and learn how to use them. And even if you didn't play them, you needed some of the cards from the boxes anyway. So if you were into Underworlds, you needed to get them all. And, and now you need to get them all and then get them all again. And I just, I oh, just, no. No, you don't. Well, that's what I'm being told, and no. So what it's what it says is the cards available in this Warband expansion have been updated from those available in the original Warhammer Underworlds Shadespire set, and now include a number of new Universal cards which are usable by any Warband. Right? That that's for Steelheart's Champions and Garrett's Reavers, but there is also right here we go. So if if you're new to Warhammer Underworlds and you miss the opportunity to pick up two warbands from Shadespire set, Garrick's Reavers and Steelheart's Champions, they will be available separately as of this month. Brother. These sets actually include new objective, gambit and upgrade cards to bring them in line with other warband expansions. However, if you already own these warbands from the original set, Warhammer Underworlds, uh, from the original set, Warhammer Underworlds Echoes of Glory is a 62-card set that is designed specifically to help bring your Universal card collection up to date without the need to purchase the expansion sets of Garrick's Reavers and Steelheart's Champions and end up with duplicate miniatures and faction cards. So you still got to buy a whole new pack of cards. I, I just... I'm sorry. Well, you haven't got to. You haven't got to do anything. Well, you do if... This is a collectible card game. That's my point, though. You do if you're playing Underworlds. If you're playing Underworlds, you do. Yeah, but that's the point. That's like saying, I'm not going to play Magic because you have to buy new cards. Well, I don't, and that's the reason. Um, But, (laughs) But okay, so let's let's track this forward a little bit. So when you get to 
Underworlds 3, so Underworlds 2019. And they release... What are they going to do then? To bring, you know, Nightbolt and Shadespire. Are you going to have to buy a whole new pack of cards to bring them in line with Underworlds 3? You know. Possibly. But you've got to bear in mind, like we were saying, again, you, this is where you've got a situation where because... You like me, we have a wide range of things we want to play, but there are people like Marcus, for example, has just been painting and building Shadespire, Shadespire yeah. for ages. So when you think about, and this <laughs> this isn't this is fine, by the way, but if you think about um, where he is with his hobby right now and what his outgoing or, or the the income to Games Workshop from. Marcus the hobbyist is all about how much Nightbolt stuff can they put out. Isn't it? Yeah. I just find it very frustrating, dude. I'm sorry. Because I'd, I'd like to leave Shades by a done and dusted and not have to pick up another pack of cards to upgrade them all. I want to be doing Nightbolt, not bringing Shades by up, up to in line with Nightbolt. Um, but then what would you do about, like, Steelheart's re- like, are you saying you'd rather that the warbands from Shadespire was Shadespire and that was a separate thing? No, I, I don't, no, I, I'm saying that I think that they should be forward compatible, and I don't see... What... But but be at a disadvantage. Well, how are they going to be at a disadvantage, though? What, what, what are these... Well, things? because they've added new dynamics and new mechanics to the game this time round. And none of those dynamics and mechanics are taken into account in the cards for Shadespire. So if you just use them straight out of the box... We'll see. I think I think what I need to do is, is sit down with Marcus and have a look to see what these new cards actually do. I just find it frustrating. Um, I, I find it frustrating. Could you imagine having this conversation with someone just getting into Nightfall? I need to get this. Well, and I out. kind of feel like they'd be coming into it from from a from a sort of a Magic the Gathering background, anyway. Yeah, maybe that's true. But I and and perhaps that you know that's what people who play this game are used to doing. I just find it I find it frustrating. Um, well, I... here's something to cheer you up, though. This week's made to order is Champions of Chaos. It is, and do you know what? I might pick one up. Ah, I think I think that troll chaos troll one is just yeah, it's ace in it. That's a great miniature, absolutely great. But we'll see. Really, we shall see. See how much it costs. Right. So, should we move on to the community, dude? Before I go off on one about cards again. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to have a poll. What about whether people think that it's a silly thing to do? I don't know. I, to be honest, I might well be a complete minority, and I'm, I would be happy if that was the case. I just the fact that, yeah, maybe if I read the right North article myself, it would simplify it. But but there we go. Anyway, let's move on. So so the 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 learning from this is don't have your white dwarf delivered to a house you don't live in. Hush your face. <laughs> Let's go to the community, dude. 
Hail to all ye mighty community fellows. I hope you are refreshed as we start to look at where we're going to start, mate. Let's do our shout-outs first. That's what we normally do, isn't it? Yes, we'll do that. And then we can rattle off the events at the end. Yes, indeed. Um, so, like, as normal, I choose some people from Tinternet, um, and Dan chooses some people from our forums, um, just to highlight some awesome stuff that they've been doing. Um, I've tried to keep an orc theme still this uh, this week, um, but I'd like to highlight two people. Um, I tend to get my stuff from Instagram, because I find that you know, I find it a really good place to look look at models, to be honest, because um, I can just scroll through pictures. The first one is a very interesting painter called Roy Gonzalez. Um, and I first got him to him when he was doing Orcs. So um, if it kind of fits with October, so I thought I'd bring him up. Um, he uses a very distinctive colour palette, um, and as his hashtag his name is Elroy underscore 101 on Instagram for those looking. Um, he's done some wicked Nighthorn stuff using a, some really interesting colour use. Um, also some Elder using some very interesting colour use. Um, but as it's October, um, you know, his orcs are what caught my eye in the first place and his skin tones on them, it, it's, they're really, really nice. Um, and Great thing is, he's done a very nice step-by-step tutorial on how he goes about his skin tones. Um, so, and that's all on his Instagram profile. Uh, so it's, it's a really good place to go if you're interested in painting orc skin. He uses very natural pastel colours. Um, and his work is very unique, so definitely go and check him out. They've got a real um, look, like realism look to them going on, haven't they? They're, I like that. They do. That's really yeah, nice. They do. I also I really like the Nurgle um, Blood Bowl team guy. Yeah, it, the Nurgle works really well with this kind of palette choice as well, doesn't it? Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's almost like um, impressionism, I think. It's um, really ace. Ah, have you seen the orc inside a Castellan battle robot? Yes, that's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Ah, nice choice, dude. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan, fan of his. Um, so, uh, the second one is, um, a chap called Warboss Kurgan, who is prolific, is the, probably the best way to describe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as this is, you know, his name gives away, he is very much into his orbs. Um, and I think he benefits very, uh, a lot, hobby, you know, there's a purity to the message he comes out with on, on Instagram and, and, um, Twitter and that is that a lot of his stuff is on that theme, and if he goes outside the box, it doesn't seem to be for you know for all that long, to be honest. Although having said that, just going through his account, he's got some new um, kill teams on there, some Dark Elder um, that I hadn't noted. But um, his orcs are great. I mean, he absolutely pounds them out at a rate of knots, um, and I have heard that. Um, or picked up from somewhere. He's one of those painters who does a little, a lot, little and often, you know, all the time. So he's constantly working at stuff, uh, and as a result, get, gets a really high turnover. Um, mm. And I think if you if you're focused in your hobby and you're working on it all the time, um, as in my, my, I mean by focused on your hobby, if you've got a very clear project, if you're all about space walls, for example. Um, like Uplander, for example, you can 
you know, your Space Wolf army becomes whopping. Um, if that's all you're doing all the time, yeah. Uh, and I think his his orcs, when you see the pictures of them as a as a force, is is a, a great. So Warboss Kurgan, um, and the reason I'm talking about his orcs is because I'm st- I'm trying to stay with the October. He has got lots of other stuff on there. Um, so Dark Angels, so Age of Sigma stuff going on, um, Necromander, and um, a, quite a. Uh, uh, Blanchitsu feels some of the stuff as well. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, There's some good stuff for that. Uh, so yeah, there's my two. Lovely jubbly. So, um, as ever, I like to go down through the two-piece hobby forum. Just, um, as always, say thank you very much, guys, for posting on there. It's really nice. It's, you know, gradually people are, are coming along, joining on board, sharing their hobby, and I'm, I love seeing it. I really do. Uh, I know Ben does as well. So thank you for that. So um, Ian Craig posted up a picture of the Realm of Battle tiles that he's done for... The Shattered Dominion ones, yeah. aren't they? They look yeah. great. He's done such a nice job and the colour scheme themes it really well um, into Shaish. And it's, oh, it's... I love it, mate. I I had not considered getting one of those. And now it is definitely on the cards because um, yeah. I hadn't really thought you know about what? painting it up. Exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, I like that." Yeah, I might need that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Mate. Yeah, me too. He's done a great job with it. Yeah, using nice. the airbrush, I believe. Yeah, well, I was thinking, you know, he's inspired me to to have a go at doing a snow one, um, using lots of airbrushing. Um, because I, I want to do a snowboard for AOP Sigma. So, yeah, I, I think that looked really good. I think that's really nice. Um, and then Simon Andrews and his role play characters. I know that you have been blown away by the loot. Is it a loot? Yeah. Uh, Leah, I think, or or harp, or a thing. Th- musical instrument. Um, but he, he, he did the strings with toothbrushes. I bristles. saw, yes. That is amazing. Excellent, isn't it? <laughs> That is really good. So both of those guys, really nice stuff. Um, and um, yeah, you see loads of great stuff. I know Tom put up, uh, Tom Taylor put up pictures of um, his little one doing some painting as well. So that was good. Uh, so it's not, yeah. It's, yeah, it's we great. always love to see Fabi stuff. Yeah. Um, there is one more thing I'd like to shout out um, that crosses both of them, which is why I've left it to last. Um Conquest has been quite an interesting thing, and it's very much been about getting people to get into the hobby. And Co- Conquest being the magazine, um, that, you know, that has a few models, a few paints, a few brushes, etc., um, and builds up into two forces. There has been someone who has made it their mission to show what you can do with just the stuff you get in Conquest. And we've spoken about it before. Tommy Saul um, and his basically painted or shown how to paint elements of the the plague marine and the, and the ultramarine using just the paints and i literally mean just like two or three colors yeah. that you get in the magazine and the brush um that you get in the magazine which isn't the best brush in the universe to say the least and it's phenomenal like mind-blowingly good 
um, what he's achieved with, the, with that limited resource. And um, when I showed Joe, she said, well, there it is, the epitome of a bad workman blames their tools in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in that sums it up. Um, and I, I genuinely cannot wait to see what he does next with each, you know, new new thing he's heading into. I'm, I mean, his recipe for doing the bronzy gold armor on the um, on the on the Nurgle dude, the Death Guard. Mm. Um, I would consider using that for <laughs> just anyway. It's that good. Yeah. Um, at, what it's done is as well is opened up a new way of approaching painting for me. Like for example, he did the Reaver sword, and I was like, "Oh, what's he highlighted his lead belcher in?" Because um, I didn't, you know, he didn't have a wash to use. And then when he was going through the process, he blackened down the lead belcher and used the lead belcher as the highlight. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's good." Mm. <laughs> but I would, you know, it's just it's a different way of thinking. Um, by an absolute star. So, uh, you know, many thanks to him for doing that because um, you know there's a, there's going to be a lot of people out there picking up these magazines who are new into the hobby, and you know if you know them, po- point them in the direction of those tutorials because not to say, for example, copy this. This is what you need to do, but to say, look what you can do with these limited. You are picking up the resources weekly to do this if you put the time and effort into it. Um, yeah, so that's my little expose on that. <laughs> <laughs> it is very cool. It is very cool to see. So um, before we crack on with um, events on the calendar, I just want to highlight one in particular um, for a friend of mine, Alistair, who's doing, doing an event in big in bristol so in bristol independent gaming for necromunda um so this is the showdown in Sumptown, a necromunda campaign weekend so it's over the weekend of the 10th and the 11th of november um and it's five games and i know that he is pouring effort and love into this he's been painting up bounty hunters that people can can um can hire um that was one of the most recent things he's done gore halfhorn and um i've forgotten her name yolanta i think it is um yeah it is one of them so so i know he's doing that he's written a wonderful rules pack as well which can be found on facebook so um we did talk about the bristol necromunda scene before but if you go and find the bristol necromunda group um and then go in there there's um there's the stuff in there, and he's really driving that and uh, doing putting in loads of effort. So definitely worth checking out. I really, really wanted to go myself, but as the weekend after is when myself and Ben and a few others are going up to Warhammer World for the weekend. Uh, I think it's probably a bit unfair to. Um, well, actually, it's not about being a bit unfair. I just wouldn't get away with it. <laughs> I wouldn't get no. away with having another. <laughs> So um, I'm just going to read out the the sort of intro thing. So it says, Sumptown's a wretched place tucked in a cove on the edge of the Great Sump Sea. It provides a safe harbour, trading post and drinking den for those downtrodden souls who ply their trade on and around the sump. Sounds like somewhere you should live, dude. Um, 
From the crews of Raft Spider Hunters to the dregs who forage the sludge flats when the tide is out for scrap, slime and aggressive giant sump clams, Sump Town is full of enterprise and it's about time someone muscled in on this place and claimed it for their house. Who better to squeeze a few credits out of them than a bunch of sump suckers? So yeah. Showdown in Sump Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds ace. Sounds really, really good. Does, doesn't it? Yeah. So please check that out if you are uh, in, in Bristol or, or you know within driving distance and you love your Necromunda, and no doubt that's going to be ace. Lovely, lovely. Right, so where are we at now? Eventima Bobs. Eventima Bobs. Let me just get the calendar up and running. Right, so it is going to be the tenth of October when you guys are listening to this, which just throws us out a little bit. So the first thing to Call out, and it's it's this coming weekend. Um, it's Expo. If you're into Blood Bowl, um, it's a it's a large NAF accredited Blood Bowl tournament run by Curtain Games. Um, and if you're interested in Blood Bowl, then you really should be doing that. Frankly, um, to support those things because if they, if we don't support them, they're not going to carry on. That's the bottom line. Um, and we want to have NAF sponsored events down here in in the southwest. Um, as much as possible, really. Um, so let's go through. So Friday, this Friday, um, is Kill Team Friday at Big. Um, really glad to see there's a lot of places doing, doing Kill Team Friday nights. Um, Element Games is doing a Kill Team Friday as well. Um, and in fact, at the weekend, they're running the Clash of Kings UK tournament. Um, uh, Big has got the Gangs of Rome Roadshow, which a lot of my friends have been trying to talk me into doing, actually. Um, yeah. The Gangs of Rome. When is that? Um, that's on Sunday the 14th, um, big. Um, so Gangs of Rome is like a, a skirmish gang kind of game um, based in Rome. Um, so it's kind of historical Necromunda. Yeah, I, I was really intrigued by that. And that now that I know that's going on, oh dear. There's also the 40k fundraising event on the Sunday 14th of October at Big. Um, and the... Terranian Open War 40k tournament at Terra. Um, so that's those two. Um, like I said, on the 13th, the day before is Expo. Um, the Flames of War European GT is being run at Firestorm. So if you're into Flames of War, that's the place to be. Um, so that's this weekend done and dusted. Let's move our way forward. Um, right, Saturday the 20th of October. So the Friday night kill team is on every Friday night at Big, so if you're into that. Uh, the Ribble Rumble, um, which is up at Element Games. Let me just remind myself of what that is. Uh, it's a multiple systems event, so um, I think that it's basically run by the Ribble Warriors, which is a local gaming group. Um, I had a quick flick through that when I put it on, actually. It looks quite good fun. Um, big Shogun Showdown. So if you're into Shogun, um, which is a, uh, a medieval Japanese game, then that's been running big. He's got some cracking scenery for that as well. Yeah. Um, and Battlefields of Middle-Earth at Curtain Games. Thank you, Curtain. Let's get more Lord of the Rings events going. Um, so that's on Saturday, the 20th of October. Uh, and Firestorm Bring and Buy is on that Saturday as well. Um, which is always good. I love Bring and Buys. 
my wallet doesn't like doing buys, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yep, War and Conquest, uh, Kings of War, uh, Lord of the Rings Strategy Battle Game. Um, that's on Saturday and the Sunday, the 20th and 21st. Uh, big, so thank you, Big, for running some Lord of the Rings too. Uh, so that's that weekend, and then we'll push forward a weekend because it's always good to be a little bit ahead, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Stockport in Frames, which is a Lord of the Rings tournament at Element. Um, Spoils of War, Silence Falls, um, a big. Um, what's Spoils of War, dude? Spoils is usually. It's a Bristol Vanguard event, yeah, so it's a 40k, 40K. campaign. Yeah, so there's a, that's a, a big 40k, local 40k event. Um, X-Wing Wave 1 Championship at Curtain Games. We all know how good they are at their X-Wing tournaments. Um, and Red October at Element Games, um, which has got to be a 40k Orc event. If it isn't, then they've missed the boat, really. <laughs> um, Elements of Sigma up at Element Games as well. It's another big one. And then... What else have we got coming up? Yep, we've got Catonian Conflict 3 at the start of November. Um, that's big 40k event. Uh, and Terror Bowl, Blood Bowl event at Terror. Um, so that's, that's looking forward a little bit more. A little bit more. There we go. I think that's a pretty tidy rundown of the next yeah, couple. Yeah, there's a lot, uh, lot going on, isn't there? There, there is when you pop element and firestorm onto the uh, onto the events calendar as well. Yeah, um, I figured we ought to because um, they run so many good events that um, that it's it's worth us having them on there um, for sure. Because um, I know that there's people living up nearby um, who listen to us. Um, if the if you are, as we always say, we're super keen on supporting. Um, Certainly, the the, uh, the venues in the southwest. If you are one of those places and you'd like us to pop your events in the calendar, then please give us a shout, and we will do that. I think that's that, isn't it? Yep, that sounds like it to me. Lots of exciting stuff. You could easily be doing something all the time, couldn't you? Yeah, there's certainly no. There's no. Now that I, I you know, I, when I first started this podcast, I was like, oh, you know, when. Where are these events? <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> so as long as you know where to find them. Um, the last thing to say um, is to kind of come back to the very first thing we said in this episode, which is a huge thank you to everyone who um, who decided to support us as patrons. Um, it really was very moving um, for us to, to find that people enjoy what we're doing enough to um, to support us in that way. Um, it has meant, literally straight off the bat, that we, we've been able to pick up um, some video editing software that isn't just the standard nonsense you get on Samsungs and iPhones. Um, and as a result, Dan was able to um, do a much more professional video than my mine <laughs> uh, with all sorts of fancy stuff going on well we um, we we've been talking about doing videos for a little while particularly hobby desk based ones because it is quite a visual hobby and obviously we do try and post up pictures and things but it's nice to be able to have 
a chat through things and we're, we're hoping to ping it back and forth aren't we between you and me um yeah where possible yeah. and and if people have got requests or ideas because you know there's loads of video content out there ben and i are not in any way in a place where we're thinking you know oh i know what we'll do we'll make videos for wargaming because there's loads of people doing that already so we've got we've got our own we've got our families and our commitments and 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 all the rest of it but if there's anything in particular people would like to see just say just let us know um and and we'll, we'll see what we can do within limitation yeah well, I'm not going to dance in front of a video. Well, I don't or think sing. anyone is going to ask you to do that. <laughs> right. I will dance, depending um, on the number of patrons. <laughs> right, you've heard it here first. How many? I am not giving that number. I need time to think. I'll do it. Yeah, no, 50 patrons and you'll dance. 50 and I'll dance. What kind of dance? I don't know. This is a ridiculous... <laughs> Let's move on before it gets weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. See you in the into the wilds, dude. Cheers. And we are into the wilds. Um. So, like we said last time, we're going to sort of alternate between Lord of the Rings and Into the Wilds um, because you know, we want to make sure we don't lose that sort of broader section because we do do lots of other stuff that we enjoy or at least see stuff that we're interested in that we enjoy that isn't Games Workshop. Um, so I have got a little bit to talk about about a game called Test of Honor, particularly the models, um, which I've got box set now. And, um, and Dan has... I am going to buy myself a bicorn hat. <laughs> and you think he's joking. He, I, mean, I am not joking. <laughs> no. I am not joking. <laughs> I want to do this properly. So do you want to tell him why, Dan? Oh, mate. So what it is, I am fascinated uh, in many ways by the Napoleonic sort of wars and era. Um, I just... It's just mental. Like, it is just inconceivable, those things. And um, I particularly like the naval stuff. And I think visually it looks very cool. And um, recently, when I visited Big, I discovered that on the shelf, he had a blister pack, quite a big blister pack, full of tiny metal ships that said, British Fleet Trafalgar. And and it is the entire fleet in 1 to 1,300 scale. And there's also the Franco-Spanish fleet as well. Yeah. So two packs, £32 each to get the whole fleet. So um, I didn't buy them then and there, which is quite a surprise for me because I'm trying to be good because it's Titan month. But I did buy myself a copy of Osprey War Games Fighting Sale, which is a rule set for it. Yep. Oh, mate. Oh. <laughs> it's so simple and glorious and, you know, the wind comes into it and there's little gauges and you roll dice to see how much, um, how, based on how much sailing you can do. Um, 
And for every sort of success, you can move two inches and do a turn. And I've just got this image. I, I want to get one of the f- uh, big neoprene mats in the blue, like the sea one. Yeah. All the little ships, lots of cotton wool. I would just set it up. I don't even know if I needed to buy the rules, to be honest. <laughs> I could just, just sit there. But I need a hat. You've got to have a hat. So... Yeah, you know, if you bought the neoprene mat, you'd be starting your, um, you'd be reducing the entry level costs of, um, Blood and Plunder. Ah, well, it's interesting you should mention Blood and Plunder because Firelock Games have announced today a Kickstarter for exactly what I just discussed. So, so, um, Sea Battles in the age of piracy at the um scale of 1 to 1600 i think and their ships were looking lovely as well so i mean i can't be dealing i i mean i love the larger scale ones they've got some ghq ones and from their nav war range in this book but the idea of stringing all the rigging and all oh my goodness Hmm, I mean, yeah. it's fine if you just want a couple of ships, but not if you want to do the whole whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, so, uh, and what's interesting as well, it's the first time I've picked up an Osprey rules book. I've seen a lot of them on shelves, but I've not really looked through them. But it's very concise. Um, the, I do, the examples, could they could do with being better labelled, I find. Um... I like the little bits of history, though, as well. That's a nice... I know it sounds like a daft thing to say, but it is nice to read historical because it's, it's actual history um, that you pick up along the way. So I like that. Um, I'll, spray, yeah. I'll spray the ones who do gas vans. So. Yeah, they do loads. Yeah, they, they do. They really do. Um, yeah. That's quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I'm really looking forward to it, and I, I just need to find a gap in the schedule to paint some fleets. But it's the, it's the sort of thing at that scale that really appeals to me to buy both fleets, the rules, obviously, get the tokens, get the map, and two hats, and then just invite someone round to play the game. Yeah. They just need to bring themselves and rum. I'd totally hire a costume for that. Oh, maybe so good, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be so good. I'd love it. I can I can picture you now. Honestly. It's a bit like I always wanted to play Battlefleet Gothic, but have like an aide who moved all the ships and I just stood there in a in a in a in the uniform of a battle a Imperial captain calling out the orders. Yeah. So yeah, not a very concise review. I mean, I've read most of it, but it's um, it's very straightforward with all the templates and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Basically, each ship has like a sailing value, which will be based on, you know, if it's got a shed load of sails or whatever. This is historical based. And then you roll a dice for each point of sailing value. And then depending on where you're facing against the wind depends on what you need on that dice to get a sailing point. So if you are 
if the wind is coming up just off to the side of you, which was like the best, it's off just off to 30 degrees, I think it is, um, then for each sailing point, each, each sailing value dice you roll, you need a four plus to be able to do something. Yeah. Um, but if you're like sailing into the wind, you need a six. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as you take damage and whatever, you reduce your sailing value as your mass get blown away or whatever. I'm just going to have a look now. Um, and there's, there's rules around if you shoot through a ship from like side from port starboard sort of thing it's less damaging than if you shoot all the way down through the ship yes yeah yeah which i thought was quite quite a good idea well that, that's um, yeah, that's something that they tried to do isn't it because the, the yeah yeah one of the particular ways things that that did was knock the cannons over so as well so yeah you could double whammy with that See, you can see, like, I love it. You've got, so frigates, because it uses the British system for rating. So sixth rate, um, frigate is got seven sailing points. Whereas a first rate, which would be your massive things, has only got three. So it's going to be good, steady, 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 blow the hell out of everything. Yeah. 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 Oh. Oh. But I'm not sure whether to, because they come with bases, just metal bases that you could sculpt waves onto. Yeah. But I did consider getting perspex bases. I think I'd probably go with, I think I'd probably go with a blue perspex base and then get the multiple water effects from either Woodland Scenics or Vallejo, and do that over the top of it. What, and then paint it? No, no. Wouldn't paint it at all. But the blue perspex would come through the clear water effects. Ah. And give it a sense of depth. Um, Thing is, it's so small. You know, the ships are only like three centimetres long, the big ones. Yeah, well, it'd be fine. Because you, you you don't need to sculpt masses of mass on it, but you, you, you'd get like you could pile the water up around the front so it looked like it was full sail, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. I remember, I did like the water effect on the puddles on my um, uh, Iron Jaw, um, the big. Gorgrunners? Yeah, Gorgrunners. Gordon Bennett. <laughs> you can tell it's midnight, <laughs> can't you? Right. Um, what was I going to talk about? Test of Honour, was it? Test of Honour. Yeah, Test of Honour. So, I haven't yet played the game. Um, I haven't. The rulebook seems very thin, though, which is encouraging. I like thin rulebooks, um, for the most part. Um You right there? Yeah, something like it's vibrating the shed. It sounds like the police helicopter has just flown over. Sometime. Oh dear, quick. 
<laughs> can you not? Run. Can you not hear it? No. You're just making stuff up to fill. I'm not. And so, test of honour. Um, got the starter box set. Um, very reasonably priced, forty pounds. Um, with quite a lot in there. Um, it kind of uses, by the look of it, the um, in part the war machine flat scenery thing. So um, there's cards in there where on one side of like the template is a normal building and on the other side is it burnt down um, oh, right. for scenarios. So they were in there um, and a lot of the miniatures. Now the miniatures are they're not brilliant. They're good but they're not brilliant. And there's some things about them which are very frustrating. So the um, you have to do things that you get. It gives you lots of options, but they have hands with uh, like their hands cupped, like they can have a weapon in them or not. And then you you glue the sword into the hand. Um, yeah. Which I, I I'm not sure whether I like yet. Um, That's quite an old. Like I rem- I seem to remember that from like old historical miniatures. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Me too. Um, so I can see myself ending up doing a lot of green stuffing or heating up the plastic and wrapping it tighter um, until I'm happy, really. I'm not sure about it. Um, it looks like a lot of the upgrade kits, a lot of the units that they've done, like um, John has picked up the masked samurai or, um, set. It just appeared to be head swaps for the basic plastics. Um, made out of metal, um, mm. which is very reminiscent of the old kind of Games Workshop stuff, um, where you had like metal upgrades to plastic kits. Um, because it's just a head, it's not too much of a problem, but, you know, like when it was devastators with metal weapons and plastic bodies, it was a bit much, really. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, I just found the ninjas. Yeah, I mean, there's some great stuff in the in the in the model range. Sculpts ranges. are wonderful. Yeah, the, the the metal ones where it's dedicated, the metal ones. I'm really looking forward to doing. One of the things that I am a bit sort of maybe not disappointed with, but it's very X-wing, is that the unit cards come in the boxes, so um, you could struggle to. Um, it encourages you to to stick with the Warlord miniatures, I think is the best way of saying it. Because um, when I got into it, I was quite looking forward to buying some of the, the Perry Perry Twin stuff from Perry Miniatures, because it is, mm. uh, I think, Footsaw do some great samurai models too. So looking forward to dabbling with those. And I'm going to be cherry-picking the ones that I really like and, you know, to go with it. Um <clears throat> But yeah, so it's just a sort of a quick look at the models. Um, I should probably be hoping to put them together this week. Because um, I do need to just back away from the Lord of the Rings for a bit. Because um, <laughs> I don't want to overdo it and, try and burn myself out. Um, I think you need... I said this to you the other day. You need to paint something. I do. I need to finish to, my Titans. To, to, to say, that project is done. I need to finish my Titans and my six six knights and the Reaver before I come up to Nottingham. Because in a minute, you're just going to be like, oh, I've got loads of stuff built, but nothing done. 
And actually, one of the things that was really obvious is when you were getting things finished, you just became more and more motivated to do more and more. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, those things need to be built before you can get stuck into them. Um, well, yes. And for me, yes. the building bit, I mean, I cannot tell you how soul-destroying I found cleaning the plastic off of 116 goblins. <laughs> On the back of 50 orcs, 20-odd Rohirrim, you know, etc., etc. Joe looked over at me the other day when I was cleaning the goblins and said, oh, having fun? Genuinely asking if I, if I was having fun. And I was like, no, I am not. I would pay someone to do this without hesitation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I would genuinely because I just find it, you know, the cleaning of the mould lines off, the only reason I wouldn't pay someone to do it is I'd have to be completely sure that they'd be as fastidious as I am about it. Mm. Um, <laughs> so um, it's the same with my, I suppose, with my space walls. And all that. I, I haven't got anything else built yet, really of the new stuff, so I just need to get stuff built and ready to go, and then I can really wallop my way through them. Um, for example, it will probably take me longer to build the Nighthawk than it will to paint them. Yeah, well, yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, of course, I, you know, the Stormcasts keep, we're going to keep growing. I just, I don't want to end up buying more than I can paint. The thing that I'm doing at the moment is, is picking up scenery. Um, and I really have to get sit down and do some because I need to do some for Japanese stuff for the test of honor, um, as well as as get some forty k stuff done. And if I, if I don't get on, I'm, I'm completely off topic now. I am rambling, but um, yes, this week I shall be putting together the test of honor models, so hopefully people can see what I'm talking about. Preferably before this is out. But we'll see. <laughs> I've just gone massively off topic, and I apologise for the lack of clarity at the end of our episode, but it's late, and um, I'm easily provoked into rambling when I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to read this. So... Battle of Copenhagen, 2nd of April 1801, known as the hardest day because of the skill and tenacity of the Danish gunners aboard their battle line of anchored ships and raft batteries. At the climax of the battle, the commander of the British expedition, Admiral Sir Hyde Parker, signalled Nelson to retreat. Famously, Nelson turned to his flag captain and said, You know, Foley... I only have one eye. I have the right to be blind sometimes. I really do not see the signal. <laughs> <laughs> the Battle of Copenhagen was a, was a, was the same one. I think it was the first time that a country had bombarded a city from from the sea. I think we, we Is it really? I think we built custom. In a military exercise like that, I, I don't know. Maybe the first time Britain had or something. The only, I'm getting my knowledge from this, from the Sharp novels. Oh, so, um, yeah, well, that's where my love of it all comes from, really, is read Sharp. Because we wanted, we wanted to destroy their fleet so that the French couldn't have it. And the, yes, the Danish yeah. had no intention of joining France. And, um, so it was all a bit sad, really, and tragic. Sorry, I interrupted you. 
that's all right. Won't hold it against you. Um, I don't even know what I'm saying now. Uh, oh, that's right. The thing about that appeals to me with regards to the fighting sale rules is there's no with Battlefleet Gothic not on the like cards at the moment. There's there's nothing else like it. Yeah, it's quite different. Yeah. So. Oh, now, but now, the, now, I'm on the site of the Forged in Battle guys looking at 15mm Spartans. Right, that is enough. We need to go to bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> are, they, are they the is... naked Spartans or are they armoured like they should be? They're armoured. Excellent. Oh, I could totally do this. Oh, here we go. Yeah, let's move on before that happens. Yeah. Oh, Romans. Right, quick. Guys, thank you very much for listening. If you've stayed with us all this way, you have done very, very well. Um, and a reward is most definitely required. Um, but. We're not providing it. We're not providing <laughs> it. No, no. Somebody, somebody else can give out the reward. So that's fine. Um, as ever, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Two Peas Podcast. Um, there is the two-piece hobby group, which we've mentioned. Please, please, please do come along and post some stuff in there. We'd love to see it. Um, it's great to see people active in the hobby. Um, we've got a YouTube channel, so you can go there and see a couple of little bits. Um, nothing much on there yet, but you see what the future holds, uh, whatever we kind of fancy doing, really. Um, other than that, unless Ben chimes in because I've forgotten something, then. I wasn't listening. Oh, okay. Fair enough. And so, as long as you said Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at the TP's podcast, then... Yeah, I said all of that. Excellent. That's good. It's been awesome. Right. It's been wonderful. Guys, have a fantastic couple of weeks. Um, hopefully, you're very refreshed and still awake. And uh, and we will catch you uh, in episode 33. Thank you very much, guys. 33 is quite a nice round number, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's sort of like two-thirds of 88 to look at visually. Wow. On that insightful re- revelation. revelation. <laughs> it's like three is like an eight with missing bits, isn't it? So someone chopped it in half. It, it, not half, really. I think a bit less than half. A bit more than half. But yeah. Anyway, good night. <laughs> I do.